From the Political Science Department at UW-Madison, I'm Adam Wigger. I'm Mia Wagner. And I'm Michael Mikowski. In this podcast series, we will speak with UW-Madison faculty members and other experts to hear their thoughts on the COVID-19 pandemic, as well as the political and global changes that the situation has warranted. This is 1050 Bascom, COVID-19. On this episode of 1050 Bascom, we spoke with Professor Ken Mayer in the Political Science Department about the recent goings-on with the president and some of his actions and what it all means. This podcast was recorded before the news that Kamala Harris was picked as the vice presidential nominee had been announced. Jumping right in and putting you on the spot, one of your premier classes here at the university is your class on the American presidency. And there's a lot of there's a lot to think about with that, especially right now and going into this really historic election. How are you going to tell your students to approach the presidency on the first day of class this semester, especially? The way that I approach it is to talk about uh, why uh, or what it is that we are seeing that's unusual, that every presidency and every year, uh, there's no such thing as a, uh, as a boring time because there's always something going on, even in an administration that's functioning as a well-oiled machine, that there are always issues, problems, national security, domestic, and so forth. Um, these days, what we are seeing is, is truly unprecedented on any number of dimensions. Uh, we have what is probably the, the worst government policy failure domestically in 100 years. We have a president who is just blowing through one norm after another. Uh, we have obviously the, the COVID-19 pandemic, which uh, the officials in the CDC are describing as, as out of control. We have the economic effects, the, the worst quarterly economic results since the numbers have been recorded even worse than during the Great Depression. And we have what amounts to a leadership failure at the national level that has been going on since the, since the beginning of, of this crisis. And so what the, the role is for, I think the role is for students is to understand um, uh, to understand this in the context of what presidents have typically uh, typically done in terms of public leadership, leadership of the executive branch, uh, and why presidents why, why presidents have historically not uh, presidents have, have taken care to make sure that their public statements are uh, consistent that. Um, uh, it's that, you know, presidents, just to give one example, uh, presidents really ought not to tell jokes about policy. Uh, they can in some contexts, there's a difference between a president telling jokes at the White House correspondence dinner 
uh, and uh, making claims uh, in a tweet or at a press conference that uh, have to be uh, walked back or uh, dismissed later as, as just joking. And so on, the whole, on a whole range of dimensions, we are seeing things that are uh, unprecedented. And uh, one of the, the consequences of what, what is, I think, objectively a catastrophic government failure is that there are 150,000 dead Americans. Uh, and uh, we could be looking at uh, another 10, 50, 100,000 uh, deaths uh, before uh, before the government, before we uh, get a handle on this. So it's the, it's the unprecedented nature of our situation, which makes this a compelling time for, for studying the presidency. Yeah, I'm sure it's so interesting just to sit down and look at the news every day and see how everything changes hour to hour. Um, and like you said, the pandemic news continues to be really dire. We're not doing well as a, as a country. Is this... Is this a product of leadership coming from the Trump administration or is it kind of like the individualist American mindset that has kind of festered in America? Well, it's a combination. It's a it's a failure of leadership because I mean, there are there are literally playbooks of how to address uh, public health crises from a policy standpoint. And the, these playbooks uh, are, they're, they're not that uh, surprising. It involves telling the truth, uh, providing clear guidance, uh, putting resources behind uh, the policies. And uh, from the beginning, what we've seen from the president is minimizing, uh, insisting that uh, it's just going to go away, ignoring the advice of uh, public health officials, uh, not providing resources. In fact, one of the things that the, uh, the federal government did at the beginning was simply to tell governors that they, they're on their own and that they are responsible for getting the equipment and the ventilators and the uh, PPE, the personal protective equipment, uh, and that ha that had the effect of creating a chaotic uh, chaotic response. Uh, and uh, there are stories everywhere of people uh, refusing to wear masks or declaring that uh, uh, masks are a symbol of government control and that uh, they're they're not going to do it. It's an infringement on their their rights. And and uh, wearing a mask had become uh, a political marker. And that's the sort of thing that clearly could have been uh, addressed through clear leadership. If, if the president had uh, uh, indicated all along that this was important and, and taking what are basic public health steps, uh, I think we would, we would be seeing much less of these kind of culture clashes over masks as a political statement as opposed to a basic public health precaution. So. Uh, it's not, not all one or the other. It, it's a, it, it, these are all related. We're seeing all of this play out, uh, especially here in Wisconsin. And when, when we're looking at the actions of the administration and Republican leaders in Congress, it feels like we're all just looking at 
are the, all they're trying to do is make short-term victories, you know, like opening schools and worrying about the aftermath of that later. Or another great example is lifting lockdowns way before we were really ever supposed to. Are these going to, are these like short-term policies that Republicans are trying to push? Is that going to backfire in November? Is that something that we can maybe look towards? The, the, irony about this is that uh, had the country really locked down hard the way that uh, other countries, New Zealand, Australia, Germany, uh, and so forth had done, uh, we would be in a much better position to begin reopening. Now, it's true that, that the, even an initial hard lockdown wouldn't have made the the uh, COVID go away. I mean, there are there are some outbreaks in uh, in Germany and Australia and other countries that that had locked down harder than we did. But the I mean, I, there's just no question empirically that uh, the that uh, too many places opened up uh, too soon, and the result is that if uh, we had really engaged with this. Um, and, and made those difficult choices at the beginning, back in March or April, uh, we'd be, we would be in a much better position now, both politically and economically. And the, the strange thing about this is that it really would have been in the president's political interest to have done this, because now uh, we have seen infections uh, start to rise, deaths start to rise over the last uh, month or two. Uh, and now you have schools starting to open uh, and I just don't think there's any question that that's going to lead to a spike uh, in, uh, in infections and we're going to see uh, uh, another, uh, another wave. And it's clear that what the president was, uh, was counting on, was trying to do, was to, uh, to get uh, the economy or to avoid um, uh, an economic downturn, which in his view, Pose the biggest threat to his reelection, and now the notion of opening and closing and schools and uh, everything is now wrapped up with uh, the elect electoral consequences because we are less than uh, three months from the uh, from the 2020 presidential election, and so. There, what, what we are seeing is a, is a chaotic, inconsistent policy response that uh, I think has uh, precisely zero chance of actually allowing the country, allowing us to get a handle uh, on this pandemic. Kind of shifting now to we're, we're looking at a possible new presidency coming up in 2021 uh, with a Biden presidency very much so in the realm of possibilities. Major news right now is speculation on who is going to be his VP. What is your take on the set of finalists that he has kind of amassed, that being Senator Tammy Duckworth, uh, Congresswoman Bass, Susan Rice, uh, Kamala Harris, just to name a few? Well, when we talked back in March, remember uh, this question came up and I said at the time that I thought it was pretty clear that he was going to pick a, uh, a woman. Um, and if we look at the list of finalists, um, much of the time 
vice presidents are or vice presidential candidates are uh, added to the ticket to to bring something additional bring some quality or some uh, coalition that the president needs help with this is why uh, trump picked mike pence as a way of solidifying support among uh, evangelicals uh, it's uh, why Obama picked Biden. Uh, Obama, uh, young, relatively inexperienced African American, uh, picks someone who is uh, uh, a uh, had much more uh, experience. And so, if you think about what um, uh, what Obama, uh, what Biden is probably thinking, is what what does the vice presidential candidate uh, help him with? Uh, obviously, um, the, the, uh, the, the choice will uh, solidify support or, or demonstrate commitment to uh, supporting women. Uh, it will likely be someone, I think, who can help uh, bring to the table coalitions and, and uh, elements in the Democratic Party that sort of uh, that, that there were some cleavages that emerged through a chaotic primary process with 25 candidates and uh, probably some thinking about um, uh, bringing back to the table some dissolution, dissolution progressives. Um, among the, uh, you know, the, there's a lot of handicapping going on. Is it going to be Kamala Harris? Is it going to be Karen Bass, Val Demings, Tammy Duckworth, Elizabeth Warren? Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's hard to, to say, but uh, I, I think the frame for thinking about this is uh, what does this help Biden accomplish in terms of solidifying and unifying and enthusing a uh, democratic base that was clearly not solidified and enthused in 2016. Do you have a best guess just as we're a week out now from probably an announcement? You know, I'm, I'm going to uh, 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 demur uh, the notion that the forecasting is probabilistic. Uh, you know, I, I think it's uh, certainly uh, seems likely that it's going to be someone in sort of a top three uh, handicapping, but uh, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. Fair enough. Um, and we'll end on a positive note. Do you have something that gives you hope in all the context of the presidency, the upcoming election, how we're handling the virus right now? Well, that's a, that's a tough one. Uh, uh, because our institutions uh, are under stress in ways that they uh, have not been stressed before. Uh, even some of the basics of separation of powers and checks and balances and the uh, fidelity to uh, the rule of law. Uh, one of the ultimate checks on, uh, on things like we are seeing now uh, is uh, 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 electoral consequences. Uh, the Democrats winning control of back in the House in 2018 is one element of that. 
uh, and uh, I, I think the uh, uh, I, mean, I uh, don't want to approach this as a as a partisan, uh, but uh, certainly the, uh, the the fact that uh, uh, the president that there there are reactions to what is happening with the economy and COVID in terms of the president's popularity and uh, even support in Congress with uh, the majority leader Mitch McConnell uh, basically uh, telling vulnerable Republican senators running for re-election that they should feel free to cut themselves loose from the president uh, that these are uh, these are the sorts of checks that are the the ultimate bulwark, the ultimate uh, defense against um, things that that threaten institutions, and I, I think it's pretty clear that uh, much of what we are seeing now reflects some of the, uh, the 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 darker predictions of what would happen when uh, Trump got elected in 20, 2016. Uh, a lot of those expectations have turned out to be correct, and the how the public reacts, how other uh, political institutions and po other political leaders react, um, is important. Uh, 2016 was unusual in a number of respects. That you had the the two least popular major party nominees that had ever been, that, that we'd ever had, as, certainly during the era of modern polling techniques. And there were uh, uh, enough people who either stayed home or who voted for Trump as a vote against Clinton uh, to, uh, uh, to produce a victory for him. I mean, it, it's, you know, we're not talking about uh, a, an overwhelming uh, mandate. Um, and Trump presented himself as an agent of change. Uh, and that's, you know, that, that's something that uh, some, uh, obviously um, uh, some voters found, uh, uh, found compelling. Well, it's, it's basically impossible as an incumbent to run as an agent of change that uh, there's a there's a record. There are consequences and uh, and evidence, solid evidence that some constituencies that were uh, more supportive in 2016 have not completely abandoned Trump, but have uh, you know, they don't support him the way that they that they did. Um, there's a lot more. Uh, uh, antipathy, a lot more motivated opposition. One of the things we know is that people who are angry uh, vote. That's a powerful motivator. Uh, there were, uh, and, and so that makes 2020 look very different from uh, 2016. You know, there are always, there are always some things that could change that. I mean, I, I think the Trump campaign is probably hoping for some kind of October surprise, a vaccine, a, uh, you know, some type of therapeutic that makes, the, uh, makes COVID a, a manageable uh, uh, disease rather than a catastrophic public health crisis. Um, but this close to the election, a lot of public support is going to be 
solidified and we, we won't have the kind of mobilizing disruptions that you would uh, that you get from a large convention and uh, uh, you know, the Democratic, both the Democratic and Republican conventions were canceled. We're just not going to have the kind of mobilizing uh, uh, effect that, that uh, you would uh, typically see. So I, I think the uh, it, it's it's more likely that uh, the forecasts that we are seeing now are going to prove sticky. Uh, uh, Joe Biden is a lot more popular generally uh, than Hillary Clinton was, and he's a lot more popular than uh, uh, than Trump. You're seeing Republicans, more and more Republicans, abandoning the president, and so you know all of these things. Recognizing that forecasts are probabilistic, and that it's always possible for for things to change. But that's, you know, that's certainly what, what the data show now. For more information regarding the podcast, please visit policy.wisc.edu and search for 1050 Bascom. For more information on the university's policies and responses to the pandemic, please visit covid19.wisc.edu. You can find more episodes on all streaming platforms. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate, follow, and subscribe. Thanks for listening to 1050 Bascom COVID-19. Stay safe and take care of each other.